0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, season two, episode 356 for December 22nd, 2023. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the Great American Cheese Stockpile. Apple the train on $50 million worth of news articles. Microsoft turned into a pumpkin farm. Parrot fever infects humans in Sweden. The hissing mushroom. Can't decide if cute or dystopian. Banks use your deposits. When life gives you a freeway, you make rest stops. Earth's surface minerals. And AI is the Swiss army knife of business. I am Meruat. That is hometown.com. Wait, over there. Ugh, never look at the monitor. And up there is the sentient AI from on high that oversees me
1: that is a tough job let me tell you
0: (laughs) 24 hours a day i have to sleep with one eye open because the sentient ai is trying to find a terminator body i can't let that happen want to get into the show sounds good see you on the other side of this So, once again, I am Merwatt. That's hometown.com. And up there is a sentient AI. Sentient AI? From on high. You want to say hi one more time? Good afternoon,
1: hometown citizens.
0: Pick up that can. Uh, so, we've already got all 10 of our articles, as usual. Kind of like a top 10. I keep batting about the idea of just calling this Hometown Daily top 10, but it doesn't. If every day we do a top 10, it's a daily top 10, I feel like it gets lost. So we just call it Hometown Daily, and there is every single day an episode. We are on episode 356 of season two, which is actually playing catch up for the days that we were unavailable. Uh, just a That's word of right. warning in we're 2020, we are time traveling. So, although it looks like it's December 22nd, we're actually from the future. It is December 30th right now. So, yeah, let's get into this. I'm going to try and rifle through these. I'll try not to soapbox. No promises. When I say that, we end up doing a two-hour show. But let's get into it. The first article is over in hometown daily. America's 1.4 billion pound cheese stockpile is dwindling. That's right. The great American cheese stockpile.
1: Did you even know we had a cheese stockpile?
0: Uh, no, no. The national cheese stockpile has decreased slightly month over month, but is still bigger than it has been in years. Who do you think? Do you think that there is a national cheesemonger? Absolutely. Is?
1: I mean, the cheesemonger must be the one like kind of safeguarding the cheese stockpile and That's adding right. to it and making sure it's diverse.
0: That, oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Nick Mordowanik is the author of this article over at newsweek.com. Here, let me grab it real quick and throw it. article let me grab the article and throw it into the chat there you go folks so yeah i i didn't know that there was a nation's cheese stockpile and it's dwindling according to new data published back friday i suppose it's the 21st Um, By the USDA, the facts about the national cheese stockpile have been disputed, though. Government estimates within the past year have pointed to a national surplus of between 1.4 billion and 1.5 billion pounds of cheese in cold storage, which is approximately $3.4 billion worth of cheese.
1: Wow. And what do you think the actual dimensions of the stockpile are?
0: Oh, my God. I don't know. What? How does that... 1.4 billion pounds of cheese in cold storage. I I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it, let alone trying to visualize. Huh? All right. It says here in the article, by the way, just want to make sure that I said this, this is over at Newsweek and it's Nick Mortawanik.
1: Do you think they ever have to transport it or do you think it stays in one place?
0: Do you think it's like a um, snow piercer and they have to travel around the world to yes. keep it safe? So nobody I think knows
1: that's what was kind of uh, rattling around there. When I asked that,
0: <laughs> they're like, uh, what do you, uh, cheese ball one and it's always roaming around the planet, making sure that nobody knows exactly where the cheese is. Uh, how often do you think they hear who cut the cheese?
1: Oh my gosh, probably all the time. And then what do they do if they lose a cheese? Like think of that nuclear thing that went.
0: Oh, that's right. Uh, that missing little off, off the transport. Right. Did they ever find that?
1: I think they did, oddly enough. I think the one in Australia. I mean, I think they like shut down everything in that region or whatever. And, and just
0: hunted for it. Found yeah. this
1: tiny item in kind of in this whole area of yeah. Australia.
0: So the American cheese makes up uh, the bulk of the cheese, American cheese, sorry, American cheese makes up the bulk of the cheese in storage, totaling 825,788 pounds. Swiss cheese makes up 21,000 pounds, while all other cheeses combined probably is really bad if you do that, it is uh, another 500 and 87,000 pounds that is an amazing amount
1: well you know what though I mean people that love cheese could probably eat a lot of cheese so like how long is that really supposed to last
0: so with a stockpile of 1.5 roughly 1.5 billion pounds in cold storage how many grilled cheese sandwiches do you think you can be could be made (laughs) because you don't put a pound you don't of put cheese. a pound of
1: cheese so you could make more than however many billion right what you, was it
0: 1.458 yeah why did you billion why did you pull that pound of cheese just just like i, I don't did. Know. get out of my because head Because you
1: programmed me
0: i didn't program you wait did i program you you're from the future i found you on a usb drive outside of wendy's
1: i thought you programmed me
0: I'll take credit for it. Sure. I mean, you're an amazing piece of work. So Andrew Nova, uh, Nova or Novakovich I don't know how to pronounce their last name, professor of agricultural economics at Cornell university said that during the dystopian downfall of the planet, cheese will be the new dollar. No, that's not what they say.
1: Okay. That is not, oh, is that going to be the new monetary standard?
0: Yes cheese and you'll have to do uh like they do now right exchange rates so how many swiss uh slices for yeah it's gonna all be by weight um bitcoin it's gonna get t- converted into cheese coin
1: well and are we gonna have to change our unit of measurement from school buses to blocks of cheese
0: um the wheels of cheese and the oh, standard right, right. Um, what do you want to call it? What are the, what, what are the big, what are those really big ones? The, uh, um, uh, the Italian cheese, the, the, the huge, ah, uh, God, you put it on spaghetti all the time. What is it?
1: Oh, is uh, it Parmesan?
0: Yeah. Big Parmesan or wheels. Pecorino? You're a pecorino. Hey, he points out that, uh, USDA data refers mostly to commercial stocks held by either, pro- uh, processors or. Someone else in the supply chain that is not the federal government. The government has programs like food assistance that utilize cheese purchases and school lunches sometimes contain mozzarella and cheddar. It says often contain mozzarella and cheddar. The stockpile is typically owned by those that make, pardon me, I got an alert. Yeah, nothing. Don't do anything because it's a time traveler device. We looked at our watches, which pull us back into the future. Sometimes there are other, others downstream, a distributor or a broker who will pick it up. Sometimes a buyer like a Kroger or a Pizza Hut will buy it. But by and large, it's the commercial owners. They added that the bigger the cheese stockpiles at the end of the year that extend into the new year, not uncommon. That's because cows have seasonal milk production and tend to produce in the spring, consequently making more cheese. Hmm i have
1: never heard of a cheese stockpile before this article
0: now i know that back in i think it was early 80s they were like there were government programs handing out cheese
1: oh wow okay
0: yeah um i actually remember that as a kid uh, the largest stockpile since January 2019 was documented in July 2022 and exceeded 1.52 billion pounds, 5.21 billion pounds in storage. That is a ton, almost.
1: Think, right? <laughs> right, not quite though. A w- one
0: ton, oh, one billion ton.
1: <laughs> right, I was gonna say. Wait, I was. I had the measurement wrong there.
0: Yeah. No, it's one point five to one billion pounds. So it's more than a ton, but one billion ton.
1: I was thinking two billion was a ton, but of course it's not. That's two thousand.
0: <laughs> or a ton billion. I'm I'm being a dummy. Anyway, in uh, 2022, the average U.S. consumer ate about 41.8 pounds of cheese, according to market research analyst Datista that translates to a 5 plus pounds per capita consumption rate over the past decade they kind of just drill down into various ways of describing all of this cheese and uh, it remained flat from 1979 to 2019 daily cheese consumption more than doubled during that time according to law suggested food availability data published in May 2022 by the USDA hmm let's see overall u.s dairy consumption remained roughly the same during the four year stretch 40 year stretch just under 1.5 cup equivalents of dairy products per person per day but daily cheese consumption grew to 0.72 cup equivalents per person in 2019 up from 0.34 cup equivalents in 79 so that's right you're eating more cheese twice as much since um 79 if you've been around since 79 i don't eat
1: well or maybe there's more people this is
0: daily But we do like cheese
1: and we have large portions of things and americans love food like pizza right which is heavy on cheese or tacos or other food that are cheese heavy
0: i find it quaint that the artificial intelligence has Chosen to assign themselves as we eating cheese. Artificial intelligence don't eat cheese.
1: But maybe they envy humans who can eat cheese.
0: Oh, hence the Terminator bot gun. So, yep, we do love cheese. There's no real let up in sight. And in fact, our per capita consumption is now typically to the high cheese consumption in European countries that we tend to associate with, like the French. So I guess we're trying to be more French. I don't know. So there you go, folks. Higher income folks have extended their palates like putting cheese out at a cocktail party, or people will put out a cheese at a big event like Super Bowl parties. It's a newer phenomenon. That I didn't realize. I thought that little cheese cubes were always at super bowl super uh, super bowl <laughs> party yeah
1: i didn't but, know that was a new
0: thing maybe our, our expansion
1: of um types of cheese or something in america I, I
0: i don't know i don't get it you know i always thought that there was like little salami cubes and cheese cubes and beer and brats and burgers and hot dogs and salads and i don't know maybe i'm just um snooty mayor, you know spending all the mayoral
1: uh dollars, dipping right? into the cheese stockpile
0: oh yeah the hometown cheese stockpile it's the equivalent you know 1.5 billion pounds of that is a lot of cheese and that's no baloney let's go on to the next article uh, the next article is over in smack talk. Apple wants to train its AI with $50 million worth of licensed news articles. Bucking the trend. What do you think? I think $50 million of, um, news is worth it. think they're going to get enough.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I'm wondering how much that is and then while i actually agree with this i think it's going to make for interesting things for other ais that have not paid for material
0: yeah well nobody's going to sue apple because right i mean
1: they're making a smart move here
0: even if apple does use somebody else's news they can say no We've been training our AI on this. Exactly. We spent $50 I think it's million really, dollars.
1: brilliant to do it this way, but most companies don't seem to be operating
0: this way. Yeah. They're like, look over there. It's Apple appears to be putting money where its mouth is with artificial intelligence. According to a new report, the company has floated offers worth $50 million in licensing multi-year agreements with news publishers in order to train its AI. it's unclear how successful Apple has been at actually securing licenses to publisher archives. However, the report notes that some publishers contacted by Apple were lukewarm on the overture. Why it's 50 million freaking dollars on stale data. Give me a break. The technology giant has floated multi-year deals worth $50 million to license the archives of news articles, said the people with knowledge of the talks who spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive negotiations. The news organizations contacted by Apple include Conde Nast, that's Reddit and others, Uh, many, many others. Conde Nast owns a lot of stuff, publisher of Vogue and the New Yorker, ABC news IAC, which owns people. The Daily Beast, Better Homes and Gardens. Meanwhile, Mark Gurman has continuously reported on an internally used Apple GPT chatbot that the company has been building for itself. Actual customer facing features based on Apple's generative AI model could be planned for the upcoming year. All I want is for um, Siri not to scream at me at two o'clock in the morning when i try and reactivate the music it's decided is superfluous to my existence
1: exactly i don't know that might be too much to ask for
0: so i didn't i don't think i said the name the author is zach hall over at nine to five mac.com i usually front load this oh man my eye is itching inside baseball this is how the sausage is made folks so yeah i think that it's brilliant brilliant that apple is dropping this little tidbit tidbit of millions of dollars to secure i think that they'll have to ramp up the amount though i i think that people really do know how much it's becoming worth yeah uh, how, how much it's actually valued at because they see so many that are making billions off of it. OpenAI exists because they've basically scrubbed the entirety of the internet and whatever else they can get their AIs on. A I's on
1: getting
0: AIO. Us. And they owe you news companies. Anyway. Yeah. Actually, in all honesty, uh, People read the article. This is the thing that I'm talking about. The ephemeral nature of information, right? Uh, a, a, a website like this has it out there. You can read it, but you have to consume ads or become a member. Um, and then when you walk away, you have it in your head. You don't have to keep relicensing it. You can tell a friend, and a friend tells a friend, it has the knock-on effect of. You can tell the whole damn planet. If you go viral, you can tell a million people, right? 10 million. That's true, but do you have to license it just to, to say it right? To talk about it. Is this like the NFL where you're not to recount the event of the football game? (laughs) I mean, we don't know, no, no, no. AIs are no different. Being trained on it is just the ephemera. It doesn't recount the exactitude of the article. It doesn't create a complete duplicate of the art. It doesn't rewrite everything specifically like it ingested it. Just like humans don't. Some do, and it's called a forgery, but let's not get into all of this. Let's keep hustling through. The news Uh, this next article is over in hometown daily. Microsoft just paid $76 million for Wisconsin's largest pumpkin. Oh, I read that wrong. I'm sorry. Microsoft just paid $76 million (laughs) for a Wisconsin pumpkin farm. A Wisconsin family has agreed to sell 407 acres of their land, which includes a local pumpkin farm attraction to Microsoft for a total of $76 million. I'm so sorry.
1: Okay, now this makes me wonder what is going on with this land, or is it just prime land?
0: It's probably strategically located so that they can build a data center. Oh, okay. Um, Reported in the Milwaukee Business Journal, the local government initially offered the Kruziger family in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin, about a third of that sum in 2017 as a part of an agreement with the Foxconn Technology Group. But the family refused opting to hold out for a better offer. Hmm. The family, so wait wishes a
1: second. They're losing a pumpkin farm for Microsoft.
0: For $76 million, Foxconn was going to buy that same land for half that value in 2017 and they said no. So the family wishes uh, all you had to do was sit around for six more years. The trust well, I
1: mean, for multiple millions of dollars,
0: that might be worth it. It's a pretty tough struggle, right? The struggle is real. Oh, how do I earn twice as much? The family wishes the village and Microsoft well, and they would appreciate people respecting their privacy. That's right. Stay off my lawn. My, get off my lawn. I got mine. I screw you.
1: I bet the town's real happy about this. I
0: guarantee it very happy very pleasant
1: in Mount Pleasant
0: in Mount Pleasant yeah the tech giant plans to use the Kretziger family's land to build a multi-building data center hey look at that
1: Ah, oh, you called uh, it
0: all part of the one billion dollar investment in the village of Mount Pleasant Amrita Khalid is the author of this article over at Verge.com. um I don't know if there's really much more to say about this thing Microsoft's payout is significantly larger than land's current valuation. The Kutziger's family land was originally valued at $174,000 in 2023, but then rose to $600,000 after making improvements. (laughs) That's stellar improvements.
1: What? And now it's going for millions
0: of dollars? 76 million. Well, look land is what people are willing to pay for it not just a market rate or i should say right, it is but a market that was rate.
1: in 2023 that wasn't like in 1960 or something
0: look if i own one acre of land either you buy it for me at the rate that i set which it's it's a spite purchase you know i can buy this and then build nothing on it, screw you, or you can pay me for it after I pay $175,000 for it, because I know you want to buy that land. I buy it from them. And then you have to pay me $76 million, but they just happen to own it. So what's here's, okay. Let me give you another scenario because this is, this is what happens. This is what happened in Disney with Disney in Florida in Disney World so they ended up using a whole bunch of little shell companies to buy up land and then they merged it post-purchase because if word got out that somebody that Disney wanted to buy this land they would do something then I would have done
1: this right Right.
0: yeah yeah because if Kretziger had no idea they could have rolled in with a million dollars and said hey because that's what it's worth right way over that but the the problem is they probably wouldn't have moved. They would have just said, "No, we don't want to move." You know, and I was sitting there uh, talking with the AI a while back. You know, what would you do with a billion dollars if you won the of with a billion dollars? And uh, we we discussed the idea. You know, hey, we know of this house on a hill. There's gotta be 500 acres around it. It's away from major traffic, but within, you know, what really amounts to a stone throw of major freeways, blah, blah, blah. Um, so you're never really away, but you're away, right? Just roll in there, go, Hey, we want your place. We know that it's worth $2 million. We'll give you 10. You can find another place because we really like it here, precisely here the land which also includes the land of giants pumpkin farm and nine acre corn maze neighbors another 641 acres of land purchased by microsoft from the village of mount pleasant so it's basically mount microsoft at this point
1: well and that also gives more context to it right like microsoft already had the adjoining property so they really wanted this land which then explains some of the ridiculous price inflation
0: and it's on par in, as a, a term of like the ratio, right? 641 acres for $99 million. Right. right. And 407 for 76 million. I'm the guessing same?
1: the family like did the calculation and demanded whatever the equivalent was.
0: Yeah. I wonder if acre. the neighbors like walked across the street and said, we're Audi." Um, by the way, Microsoft wants to buy your land too, we suspect. All right, set the price. So all told, the sale is a happy ending for The Village. After several years of confusion and mixed signals from Foxconn, it's only been two years since Foxconn drastically scaled back its promised $10 billion investment in Mount Pleasant, which would have included a state-of-the-art manufacturing plant. This is why I think business is full of shit about most of this stuff, because they can promise and people invest their heart and soul and effort they get burned, the business just saves money, right? And the sociopaths that make all of these promises just give everybody the bird and say, I'm out. So Mil- Milwaukee Business Journal reported that Microsoft plans to initially hire 200 employees at its Mount Pleasant data center and could add another 460 jobs over time, but it still be a fraction of the 13,000 jobs that Foxconn originally promised back in 2017. It should be held accountable give us back all of the money and in investment and the damage control, right? Foxconn made promises. They may have actually stopped sale or development to facilitate exactly. Foxconn purchase, you know,
1: or made sales in relation to that. Like people could have left because they didn't want to be where Foxconn was going to be or whatever it was.
0: I mean, we've talked about this before. People have actually uprooted their families and moved, sold their house and moved. Because a job was being given to them, and, the, and it's, this isn't a Foxconn thing. I'd have to search back to figure out where it was that we were talking about it. it was earlier this year.
1: Well, I was thinking of the cruise ship thing.
0: Oh, yeah. They sell their house and all of their possessions because they're going to go on a cruise. Whoops. No ship. Holy
1: ship. Doesn't happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, pretty amazing. All right. Let's keep going. Transition is really driving me nuts. So the next article is over in Mobile. Health alert after parrot fever infects humans in Sweden, turning humans into peckers. That's not really what's happening. Parrot fever is surging in Sweden with 12 people infected this month alone amid concerns that the outbreak could escalate. The flu-like disease spread by wild birds, including parakeets, of which there are many in Britain
1: okay but we're in sweden (laughs) maybe this is from bbc or something
0: Uh, or another uk source no actually hold on maybe i mean it's telegraph.co.uk so oh okay yes (sighs) so the flu-like disease spread by wild birds including parakeets of which there are many in britain can lead to severe pneumonia and meningitis in humans that sucks Pneumonia you can recover from. Meningitis unless is much you're harder.
1: elderly or, or young, very young or
0: immunocompromised. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, but meningitis not so much.
0: That's a tough one. So plus the test for it, it sucks. Um, so since September twenty, since September of this year, twenty five cases have been reported in Sweden within tw- uh, with twelve this month alone. Uh oh!
1: So it's in an uptick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Most cases from vastra Vostragoland and Kalmar. I'm probably pronouncing it horribly according to um, I'll try it. Uh folk Halsamindigetten. Yeah. Give it the old Swedish try. So uh anyway, Sweden's public health agency. Um, the disease mainly jumps from birds to humans via the inhalation of airborne particles from the droppings of infected wild birds, so don't look up. So that's,
1: that's got to be when you're around, well, it says wild birds. I was thinking if you're around pets, right? Like most people in the wild aren't going to be coming into contact with airborne particles from that.
0: Look, you could go to get in your car and there's poo on your car from an infected bird. It's okay from the droppings of infected birds i uh, 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 inhalation of airborne particles are they talking about like fresh droppings or
1: well that's what i meant like i don't think most people are gonna come into contact now maybe if they have a pet bird that they're around absolutely but then how would the pets be coming into contact with other wild animals
0: yeah so yeah well i mean wild animals they're just pooing all over the place come on um, invasion of posh pigeons, parakeets, the UK's only wild species of parrot and popular household pet, could pose a particular threat due to the vast numbers across the country if they can get from Sweden to UK. It's a bit of a trek from those two points.
1: Yeah, I think so
0: anyway the telegraph reported in 2021 that defra officials were in discussions with culling satellite populations of the bird for the first time after concerns that they were spreading like gray squirrels of the sky across the uk the question of how the birds nicknamed posh pigeons uh they are the uk's only wild species of parrot and popular household pet were first released into the uk has long been a topic of debate i <laughs> some pecker let the peckers loose. And now you have to worry about them, right? Bright green bird now believed to be around 50,000 in population, rocketed 1,455% 1, between 1995 and 2015. The fastest spreading bird. <laughs> uh, well, you know why?
1: It looks like it's roughly a thousand miles um away so it's pretty good distance
0: man i need to fix this lilia sabui i think is their name over at telegraph.co.uk i didn't say to the beginning i'm saying these things at the end i need to flip it so sorry about that lilia i'm gonna go on to the next article so the next article's over in the mobile channel rare hissing mushroom spotted at Texas State Park and probably move over to Australia. It's kind of freaky.
1: Maybe it's trying to scare the parrots away. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's why they're all over in the UK instead of Sweden.
1: Exactly. Same level
0: of connection for the second time this year. A rare hissing mushroom was spotted in Texas at a state park in Hill Country. Sarah Bahari, Dallas Morning News, put the article together. It's posted over at fizz.org. Known as the Texas Star Mushroom, the fungus is highly selective about where it grows. Probably in some teenagers' sock drawer. The mushroom tends to grow on decaying cedar elm stumps in North and Central Texas.
1: Okay, that is fairly niche. (laughs)
0: It has made appearances in more than a dozen Texas counties, including Dallas, Tarrant, Collin, and Denton. Is this like a marketing thing for Texas? I don't think so. It hisses though. What?
1: Right. That's not very, um,
0: mushroom, uh, friendly to
1: tourists and everything.
0: Well, it's pretty fun fun guy um so let's see don't tell anyone but the texas star mushrooms carriac geester or it might be jester have been spotted in the park again the department wrote on facebook if you want to see one when you visit ask ask at the headquarters when you check in you know some tools gonna cut it down or something you know like every there was like a tree that everybody loved it was out in the wood or out in the desert somewhere the last tree and some dumbass runs it over there's no yeah. trees anywhere and they like hit that one anyway I'm, I'm i'm pretty cynical uh that happens when the species explosively throws out its spore so it's basically called devil's cigar A fungus typically appears in late fall as a fuzzy, dark-brown capsule three to four inches in length. After rain, the mushroom explodes open, unfurling into tawny-colored star that makes an audible hissing noise while puffing smoke. And that's why it's earned the name Devil's Cigar.
1: That is unusual. (laughs) If you didn't know about this and you just encountered it in the wild, what would you think is happening?
0: Aliens. So only a few hundred people are likely to have ever seen the rare mushroom, according to Bob O'Kennan, a research scientist at the Fort Worth-based Botanical Research Institute of Texas. Thanks to its popularity and elusiveness, the fungus was designated as the official state mushroom of Texas in 2021. That declaration described the mushroom star shaped custom design for the Lone Star Landscape. There you go. Ta-da. It
1: doesn't really look like a mushroom. It looks kind of like a
0: flower. Yeah, well, I mean, that's when it's opened up. Right. Um, so when it is all closed up, it it's connected at the top where all the points meet, and I bet you it looks like a morel. Oh, okay. So, pretty cool. Let's keep going. Do, 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 do. Next article is over in the mobile channel. USDA issues permit for Santa's reindeer to legally enter the U.S. This is the one that I titled can't decide if cute or dystopian. Come on. What? Why do this? <laughs> Are you trying to be cute? Trying to raise awareness about the USDA?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like a, almost like a marketing holiday.
0: Hey, That's- we're here we're here. Hey,
1: right. Have you heard of us? We're doing something that hopefully people agree with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're not shitting the bed this time. Um, the U S department of agriculture, animal and plant health inspection service or APHIS has issued a transit permit to Mr. Claus to allow his reindeer to enter and exit the United States between the hours of 6 PM on December 24th and 6 AM on December 25th. The department wrote in a news release issued Thursday. Hey, We're doing something cute where your tax dollars aren't at work. Everybody's like, Scrooge, you're being a Scrooge. Mayor Watts, a Scrooge. No, I just
1: I'd love to see their policy or whatever that allowed them to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, really? How does that read? Oh, God. I don't Oh, geez. Anyway, who wrote this? Oh, man. Uh, Jessica Yakubovsky. Sorry folks, Christmas is nearly here and children everywhere are getting excited for Santa Claus and his reindeer to make their way across the country to deliver presents and they're waking up on the 24th of the morning of the 24th and asking what would the USDA do?
1: Right, instead of preparing their uh, milk and cookies and carrots for the reindeer
0: (laughs) Papa Papa do you think they'll shoot Santa Claus out of the sky like the
1: <laughs> the weather balloon that wasn't USDA
0: <laughs> do you think they'll shoot the shoot Santa's uh, sled out of the sky like they did that Chinese surveillance balloon that was three buses wide I hope not son uh the USDA has given it a permit to transit across the United States yeah
1: i'm certain that discussion was happening in the majority of american households
0: no no get back into the uh, manufacturing plant and keep on stamping those doors out (sighs) usda is delighted to grant mr claus and his reindeer a special permit to enter the united states ensuring a seamless journey for the joy they bring each holiday season said jenny lester moffitt undersecretary of marketing and regulatory programs. So there you go. It's always in the fine print. <sighs> Not much else to say. It's important that Gifts and Good Cheer Incorporated take all the right steps and precautions to protect against the potential introduction of pests and diseases. Explained, Mister Claus. I appreciate USDA's assistance every year as we gear up for our big night. That's actually in the. This article. is
1: interesting. And then they also apparently inspected the reindeer, so.
0: Really? According to the article. Did they ask for permission? Did they ask for consent?
1: It doesn't go
0: there. Yeah. We better move on. Hey, you know what I did? I moved on to the next article, but I didn't throw this one into. The show notes and
1: i don't think you mentioned the source just the author
0: oh really oh it from sorry it was the hill i'm a dummy so the next article is over in the word in law banks user deposits to loan money to fossil fuel emissions heavy firms so in the grand scheme of things this is actually this should be somewhere around 6 6:45 45 on the 22nd. Okay. So it's a, the 6:35. no shit news. When you drop money in the bank, it looks like it's just sitting there ready for you to withdraw in reality, your institution makes money on your money by lending it elsewhere, including the fossil fuel companies driving climate change, as well as emissions, heavy industries like manufacturing. Okay. <laughs> yes, they're right. This is my soapbox for this. Yes, they're right. You don't know if your money is going to this. All you know is that it has all been blended together into a big mass. That's making the bank and bank investors richer to the tune of upwards of 15% interest. But you're getting Jack for your interest in your deposit. Just letting you know, that's my hang up where my money ends up. I cannot, I I cannot hold the bank accountable other than to say, let's say I go into the bank and I say, you know what? I really don't want my money being used to fund emissions, heavy, fossil fuel firms, and they'll go, oh, it's not. Why? Because they're not looking at the serial numbers and going, this money went to that institution Right, or this particular bill, <laughs> right? Let's not be silly about this. If you try and be like that with where your money goes, you're in for a rude awakening because everything that you're wearing, your house, all kinds of stuff has something predatory in it. The labor that went into building your houses was probably not totally on the up and up, everybody having health insurance, everybody getting job security in any way, shape or form, all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, you will, if you peel back the layers of the onion on everything, you are going to end up not liking the world you are invested in as a human being.
1: Well, and I mean, unfortunately, what's the alternative, right? You're. If you don't um, put your money into a uh, respected and insured bank, which typically the larger banks would be, right? I mean, you're almost causing yourself personal risk.
0: I'm going to switch to Bitcoin because that's all on the up and up and doesn't get reinvested.
1: Doesn't fund any criminal activity. No,
0: no. It's ethically and morally sound and not pegged to the U.S. dollar and GDP. No. That's right. Wait, uh, no. got I'm know. i a little distracted. Wrong. I think I'm a little distracted. So there's the link to your, to the article, but yes. Now it says here. So just by leaving your money in the bank account, you are unwittingly contributing to worsening catastrophes around the world. This is an Ars Technica article, Matt Simon. From Wired.com.
1: And I think by existing, you're unwittingly contributing to all these things, right? Like you were saying, it's not just your money in the bank. It's buying a product from a company or any number of things.
0: Uh, I'm sorry, but this has to be the biggest asinine take on fiscal responsibility that I have ever seen. And I'm probably twice as old as the person that wrote this your 1000 this is the deck statement for this article over at arstechnica.com matt simon s-i-m-o-n i I just want to make it abundantly clear this is a wired.com article that's been posted on ars technica your one thousand dollars in the bank creates emissions equal to a flight from new york city to seattle or it's part of a funding source for a startup that produces a solution that solves global warming Scrubs the air, uh, creates renewable energy or a food supply, provides a service, saves lives. What the hell? So, I'm now I haven't read all of this article, but it starts out saying this. Now, either it's fear mongering and it's going to walk it back and say blah blah blah, but no, the next article it says by switching to a climate conscious bank. You could reduce those emissions by about 75% the study found. In fact, if you moved $8,000, the median balance for us customers, the reduction in your indirect emissions would be twice that of direct emissions. You'd avoid if you switched to a vegetarian diet. So you're saying that if I move my money to a bank that cares about climate, okay how many of those are there how secure are they
1: well that's what i was wondering are they even fdic insured i mean we've seen these kind of specialty banks and how well those have done not climate specifically but like um cryptocurrency focused
0: right now i understand what they're saying if you want to be the change you want to see in the world then drive the car how you want to drive the car right if it's going to be green you get a green car if you're gonna uh, live in a house then you get solar and wind and you get off the grid and you demand green energy and blah blah, blah. totally buy into all of this but if you are trying uh, uh, this is rather monkish i mean this is really like you'd have to live I don't know. You'd
1: have to not purchase almost anything.
0: Anything. Including
1: your food.
0: Yeah. Food, clothing. You want something, you can't buy it from Amazon. You have to go to a mom and and pop shop.
1: Forget going on an airplane.
0: Right. Unless
1: you're on Whiz Air.
0: (laughs) That's yesterday's article. Which is a time travel thing. So you just you've made a oh, paradox uh,
1: oh no i did
0: <laughs> at the same time Brooks says big banks are underfinancing the green economy as a civilization we're investing in the wrong kind of energy if you want to avoid the ever worsening effects of climate change yes 2022 was the first year that climate finance surpassed the trillion dollar mark however this is a quote however the alarming aspect is that climate finance must increase by at least fivefold annually as swiftly as possible to mitigate the worst impacts of climate change yes your money is what's making the difference look we can all transition banks though are going to follow the money unless it's a, a a passion project for those people but they are going to be outstripped by all of the other banks that are pursuing raw profit that are they are amoral not immoral that's the argument banks and businesses are amoral I think they're immoral, but that's okay. Um, I think that they're predatory on their lending. They're giving a whole bunch of, they're, they're charging exorbitant rates for the lending of money, but they're not beneficiaries to the people who are, they're not benefiting the people who are making the deposits. We really should have like 3% on our investment, but you can't put your money anywhere and make a profit like that you have to invest it outside of the bank the bank ain't doing it so you're really funding an an enterprise that is ripping you off so you really if you want to save all of this demand that banks give you a piece of the action for their average interest rate out to the people Eh, maybe they'll change their tune oh you know what We'll do more green things if you allow us to have a, a larger portion of the uh, the percentage. I don't know what I'm saying here. So at any rate, the gist of this entire article is smaller banks, it says at least are less likely to be providing money for the fossil fuel industry a credit union operates more locally so as much less likely to be fronting money for say a new oil pipeline big fossil fuel companies go to the big banks for financing but here's what's going to end up happening these little banks can't operate at a rate that allows them to operate unless they're lifestyle type businesses and when more downward pressure comes their way, they're going to have to seek ever increasing profit so that they can survive. Because so then
1: what they get bought out by large banks or they become like the large banks
0: or they collapse or they entirely.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, and then FDIC insurance only pays up to x amount, $250,000. If you have more than that in a bank, usually it's frowned upon that you have it in one bank, you split it up, invest it all over the place. Mm-hmm then you have to babysit it. This makes banks a uniquely powerful lever uh, to pull when it comes to climate action fully says compared to switching to vegetarianism or veganism to avoid the extensive carbon emissions associated with animal culture, agriculture. Money is easy to move. If large numbers of people start to tell the financial institutions that they really don't want to participate in investing in fossil fuels, that slowly kind of drains capital away from what's available for fossil fuels. Now, the fossil fuel companies That's
1: assuming those large businesses or large banks are going to listen
0: yeah yeah I, I don't buy it so it's an interesting article the original article is over on wired if you follow the link through hometown over to Ars technica they have the link to wired as well uh, i need to keep going So the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. A freeway was built uh, through her family's farm. Now her company makes millions from rest stops on its route and King Charles III is a fan. Hmm. Why is he a fan? Must be clean bathrooms? Maybe they have
1: great snacks.
0: Or is it the fact that the monarchy benefits financially from all of the um oh no come on i had a local recording and it i guess my recording just overloaded anyway uh a motorway cut through the dunning family's remote farm in the uk so they opened a rest area on its route their company now makes 160 million dollars a year holy crap quick
1: buy a farm and get bought out (laughs) Sure. Oh, wait, that's like the pumpkin farm.
0: Yeah. Lucy Handley over at uh, CNBC.com put the article together. Uh, When John and Barbara Dunning were informed that the freeway would be built through their farm in a remote part of the UK, they saw an opportunity. They built a rest stop with a difference. The freeway, known uh, in the UK as a motorway. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. Cultural relevance. There we go that's what this is, was uh, to cut through Dunning's land in the region of Cumbria, a county known for as Lake District National Park, a striking mountainous re- uh, landscape, and Dunning's didn't, or and the Dunning's didn't have much choice in the matter because the UK government issued them with a compulsory purchase order, meaning that they had to sell their land for the road to be constructed. Hey, eminent domain. That's what it's called here in the States folks. Um, it was the late 1960s and the Dunnings then in their thirties, holy crap, decided to put up a fight. They won their bid to lease back the land from the government and build and run a rest area T Bay services. Well, I wonder is it to Bay or is it T Bay almost like the uh, the revolutionary war right like uh the the uh right wasn't it revolutionary
1: war i don't know what the reference is to tea bay
0: throwing tea into the bay
1: oh oh yes the revolutionary war sorry
0: um so that would be the <laughs> You threw me an error message and i was like wait a minute
1: <laughs> i didn't recognize the name i was reading it literally
0: i'm sure that it's something else but i'm just making the connection so fighting against the monarchy, right?
1: <laughs> I think it's funny. That's interesting. If that's actually the meaning of that,
0: that can't be it. Anyway, that would be the first family run motorway service stop in the UK. And one that focused on providing local produce quote. My dad had done a lot of research because everything was at stake and they had to get it right. Uh, the Dunning's daughter, Sarah Dunning said of, uh, Tebe's opening, speaking to CNBC by video call. They couldn't afford to not, uh, for it to not work. She said. Uh, the rest stop on the northbound carriageway of the m6 motorway started life in 1972 as a place for drivers to refuel their vehicles and themselves serving home style food in a 30-seat cafe alongside a small craft shop selling local goods you know ah, oh my god it's grown to 1200 employees has won numerous food awards made revenue of 127 million in 2022 for its most recent annual report I don't know man this is one of those things where first off they had to have money to have that much land it's not what are you land right. rich um and then to make this a thing they had to have had connections and money there's always more to this um yeah you know they had to make it work marketing stuff anyway sarah dunning will speak at the oxford farming uh Conference held from January 3rd to January 5th, 2024. Farming is facing huge changes. There's significant energy behind regenerative farming. But actually, that's probably isn't going to be everybody's model going forward. She told CNBC. Uh, Yes. So, Uh, Gloucester services opened in 2014 selling food from more than 130 producers within 30 miles of the rest area and giving around 500,000 pounds per year to local charities in August. It was the subject of a six part TV documentary. So uh, they grabbed on and uh, turned it into what it is today. A seeming juggernaut. Um, Well, they're doing at least
1: two positive things. They're Mm -hmm. supporting local agriculture, which is a, really a dying industry and should be preserved and then also just from the health benefits of well right the donations to charity but they're also selling local produce which is good because of all the food um born illnesses we see from like mega corporations
0: yeah you know and that's something that we often talk about which is the the fact that we have uh, small farmers, but we don't go to small farmers, right? Local producers. Um, we buy from big shops and when it's catastrophic from the big shop, it's massive in scale instantly. But if it's a small farmer, the scale is smaller. It's somewhat isolated. It can be treated in the micro level and it doesn't explode like it does. Although eh, it could be a bad bat sometime. I don't know. We don't have wet markets here in the U S not that I know of. Huh? I I don't want to, I'm not
1: aware that we do, but I suspect there could be some.
0: Yeah. Underground kinda. Do you really want to go to a black market, wet market, a wet black market?
1: I don't think that's a good idea.
0: That's like 2 AM gas station sushi where the refrigerator is broken. Not interesting. This next article is over in Technology Today. NASA unveils first ever global maps of Earth's surface minerals. This is the surface minerals, though, so I wonder just how much. EMIT delivers first of its kind maps of minerals on Earth's dust source areas, enabling scientists to model the fine particles' role in climate change and more. Okay. So if you've never heard of SciTechDaily.com, it does a deeper dive than most science news sites. Jet Propulsion Laboratory produced this article. It's posted at SciTechDaily.com. So launched to the International Space Station in 2022, EMIT, short for Earth Surface Mineral Dust Source Investigation, is an imaging spectrometer uh, developed by NASA's JPL. Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Southern California, the mission fills a crucial need among climate scientists for more detailed information on surface mineral deposition. Composition, not deposition. Big difference. Surveying Earth, well, subtle difference. Uh, surveying Earth's surface from about 250 miles above, emit scans broad areas that would be impossible for a geologist on the ground or instruments carried by a spacecraft to survey. Yet it does this while achieving effectively the same level of detail. That's pretty awesome. But it's like uh, these are rock types. Keonolite. Yeah, that's really neat. Hematite. Uh, what is it? Geotype? It basically has like a little what do they call that? A key?
1: A key or a legend.
0: Yeah um and they and it uh, maps three different types of m- rock or minerals three minerals are among the key uh, 10 key substances the mission studied that are thought to influence climate change <clears throat> that's interesting uh, I, I don't get it but okay i mean a lot is in that desert right there you know
1: right i mean much more than i might expect
0: that's yeah, fascinating So scientists have long known that airborne mineral dust affects the climate. They know that darker iron-rich or iron-oxide-rich substances absorbs the sun's energy and warm the surrounding air, while non-iron-based brighter substances reflect light and heat cooling the air. Whether those effects have a, a net warming or cooling impact, however, has remained uncertain. Researchers have an idea of how dust travels through the atmosphere, but the missing piece has been the composition, the color, essentially, of the surface of the places dust typically originates which until now was derived from fewer than 5,000 sample sites around the world based on billions of samples emits maps offer much more detail wow that is quite the shift yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly it's like little hmm. spots of data and then you've got this which Everything. is extremely detailed for worldwide
0: yeah yeah that's pretty amazing huh Sample 5,000 samples was the original from around the world,
1: and now this is billions of samples. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. That's a
1: pretty significant uh, increase in uh, information. Yeah, this is
0: the type of science that you know moves the needle. Um, beyond harnessing, harnessing, beyond harnessing. Beyond harnessing emits, I was reading emit as I was reading harnessing. Beyond harnessing emits mineral data to improve uh, earth climate modeling, scientists can use the information to study dust's impact on the ecosystems where it lands. There's strong evidence that particles settling in the ocean can spur phytoplankton blooms, which can have the implications of aquatic ecosystems and the planet's carbon cycle. So we've seen these phytoplankton blooms that have actually ended up harming wildlife well sea life um this is pretty amazing okay so i'm gonna just kind of jump off of this article and um i'm gonna encourage you to go and check it out they always do a deep dive and i hope that i did enough justice to tease you into going and checking it all out um i love this stuff but i uh, i'm gonna try and um go on to the next article and maybe we'll have to we'll have to revisit this. Um maybe I'm sure
1: the, it'll be in the um don't you think as they start using these maps there's gonna be additional discoveries? And I suspect we'll see more articles about this.
0: Yeah, because I'm curious. It says it's the first global maps of hematite, geotype, and Kaolin- kaolinite or colonite maybe. Um but I'm really curious. Are these released to everybody or were these released now, but others received them prior, you know, if you're looking for mineral deposits so that you can invest in the right land.
1: Well, the data was through November, 2023. So I think that tells us.
0: Hmm. Yeah. But who got it? This is a month later so who may have
1: right but it's pretty current
0: yeah but who got it first did anybody have this i mean is this actionable in terms of real estate property value mineral resource acquisition i'm sure you know i mean it's not just maybe earth's surface minerals but if it is relevant you know it's it 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 could just if there is something else that it detects it says 10 there's um 10 total three minerals and seven others that may affect climate what are the seven Um, what i'm saying is is this relevant to a point where it can change the value of acquisition um because i think that we use this now satellite technology to see subsurface like what something is um i just not everybody is benefiting it it isn't a level playing field um and i always feel like you know everybody is equal except if billionaires (laughs) it's basically what i'm saying um i mean call me cranky but i wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth and nor did my family uh parlay wartime activities into an estate that allows me to sit there and just arbitrarily buy a what never mind <laughs> I guess I'm jaded and cynical again Let's keep going though Got one more article uh, this article is uh, over in hedge ideas how chat GPT saved me over $100,000 delve into how ChatGPT can save over $100,000 and find out what you can do about copyright issues on uh, AI-generated content. So I had already seen this article um, in this video. Uh, Ben, uh, I think it's Angle, uh, put this article together. It's over at entrepreneur.com. And this video here goes into how uh, this business owner used ChatGPT Um, across the board to um, benefit him and his company because when the pandemic happened he basically had to downsize um, and it impacted him in content creation and in marketing and in legal and um, several other areas and they use chat and to fill the gap in their knowledge and acquire new um knowledge as well as output uh, wholesale um a new product their book called the wolf is at the door um as an editor for their writing they didn't write the book with chat gbt but they used it as an editor um, and i found it really interesting uh you'll have to go through the whole thing uh, i didn't i, I I listened to it, and when I uh, loaded everything up, it started playing again. So it got five minutes into it. But um, it's a very fascinating uh, story about using ChatGPT. And when they did their accounting, uh, they basically came up to $100,000 worth of value using ChatGPT. And I agree. I think that it's an invaluable solution, uh, particularly if you're a one-man shop or one-person shop, pardon me. Um, a one person shop, one stop shop, um, because you can lean into it. You can tell it it's a subject matter expert in this and you can feed it some information and it will spit out some information. Granted, I think most of it is BS and you have to do some due diligence to verify trust, but verify. Um, but I thought it was a fun article and so I wanted to include it here yeah it's
1: interesting i haven't seen the video but the headline is certainly intriguing
0: yeah so let me see if i can find i'm gonna mute it but um so they did things like um massive lists of how to market it did analysis um it Uh, edited his book and provided other legal um solutions i don't think i don't recall them going into too much um detail about the legal aspects of it um but right now the what they say in this in the video if i recall correctly was that copyright issues around ai generated content is basically because nothing that's wholly created by chat gpt or an AI can be copyrighted, but you can use that information and create something that is bound by the human. Um, and justifiably say, no, this was created by a human. Come on, go away. There we go. Um, so you're, you're basically going to be utilizing chat GPT as a whole host of solution provider um instead of having to hire a human being and worry about any like i have uh, programmers that i lean into from time to time to provide a solution uh but i have to work around their time frame i have to work around their skill set i have to cope with their idiosyncrasies whatever it might be um luckily uh everybody that i've worked with has been uh Pretty damn awesome, but not everybody gets that kind of experience. There was one programmer <clears throat> way back when I first got started as a consultant um, who I went to hire to build a website for me because I, my opportunity cost is different um, and my skill set is different. And um, they took my idea. They said, thanks for the idea and tried to run with it. Now they couldn't do what I wanted them to do to begin with. So I wasn't too worried about it. And, um, the project never even took off really. Um, but yeah, it's quite fascinating what chat GPT can do. And for the most part, it's confidential until something shows up later on the horizon. Right? Like if I do something on AI and it's a strategic advantage, to the business, um, or a trade secret, right? A business secret. I operate this and I bring something to market. The moment that somebody comes out of the woodwork with an identical process and I can deduce that it came from AI, right? My data was embedded in an AI right, somewhere. Right. It's almost impossible to prove but it's one of those things like, well, I had that idea and I made something out of it and now I've got somebody else that's a direct competitor. Like there's a company that's named after my company, um, right now in another country, but because of the internet, we brush up against each other periodically. Um, so it's quite fascinating, um, that IP generated by a, a bot, um, uh, can't be protected just like an idea Um, but i think that that is going to change over time Um, anyway this is a fun watch and uh, i urge you to go and watch it Um, you'll come away basically going well this guy seems pretty cool with it Um, yeah it's kind of interesting and he is actually showing the stuff that he is generating using various, uh, solutions, various AI based tools. Um, and, uh, that's it. All right. At any rate, that's it for today. Everybody get back into the party bus hometown news bus, I guess you want to call it. And, uh, we end up back on main street back at the welcome sign. I would normally refresh this, but I'm actually going to, um, save this well just like this
1: don't refresh it today
0: oh yeah today is kind of a a hot mess because we are if i hit this it'll pull us out of our time machine and uh yeah we don't want that so that is uh hometown episode season two uh episode 356 for december 22nd 2023 I am Marwat that is hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI from on high. You want to say bye
1: bye hometown citizens. We will see you for the December 23rd show.
0: Time is just f- zipping by. It's amazing. It is. <laughs> it's like we were on the 21st, just an hour and a half ago. It's amazing. See you everybody. See you tomorrow in about 15 minutes, bye!